welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 13th of March 2021, and the title of this episode is The Hunt for Missing 2000 AD Art. I'm on my third cup of coffee. How about you? If you'd woken up this morning on the Death Star, how many cups of coffee do you think you might have had by now to get through the day? Given the size of the Death Star and all the people who lived and worked in that planet-killing machine, I wonder just how much coffee would be needed to fuel the workforce. That's right, you've guessed it. I'm going to tell you. The answer comes from yet another quirky infographic a brand wanting some marketing has sent over. This research suggests about 1.2 million people on the Death Star, mostly stormtroopers, and with station crew just outnumbering pilots. If you use the American average for coffee drinking, that would mean 2.5 million cups of coffee drained every day. You can make your own dark side joke from that. And also, based on the size of the Death Star, if it had actually been the same as American coffee demographics, there would be 41 Starbucks on board. Now, let's stick with sci-fi for a while. It's either that or we talk about Asmodee's purchase of Plan B games, but that would make the link between the two stories the unstoppable expansion of an empire. And let's not do that, so let's come back to Plan B in just a bit. First up, in computer game bundle news, Humble Bundle has a deal on Stellaris. There is a Kickstarter for a Stellaris board game on right now, and so I assume the timing is on purpose. Stellaris is a five-year-old computer game about exploring space, managing diplomatic or military responses to aliens, and trying to grow your empire. The first tier in the bundle is less than a buck, and it will get you the full game. And in total, there's about $135 worth of Stellaris content available, if you can find about 20 bucks to grab it. Another nice bit of sci-fi news is John Harper's crucial decision on the Lasers and Feeling RPG. Lasers and Feelings is a one-page RPG about a spaceship crew trying to cope when an alien entity takes over their captain. It's based on a song by the Double Clicks and has become really popular. It's often called an excellent gateway RPG. There are loads of lasers and feelings hacks. And many designers have made their own games based on it, or inspired by it, or with bits borrowed from it. And this week, John Harper decided to update the lasers and feelings license, so that if you do make a hack, you can sell it for money. You just need to credit the original. And with that, sticking with sci-fi and perhaps finding an overlap on the idea about working together... Let's talk about that 2000 AD missing art story. Rebellion wants to put together an oversized book in tribute to Brian Boland's iconic art. He absolutely is one of the talents of his generation and part of Judge Dredd's success. It's not a license issue in this story. The art that they want to use is missing. I have the complete list on the blog, but if you have good copies of 2000 AD, in the PROG 110 to the 244 range, there are about two dozen pages that Rebellion would like to borrow. They will keep your collection safe, scan it and return it to you, 
the art can then be added to the Apex Edition collection that they have planned. I'm reminded of the BBC not keeping some of the original Doctor Who TV series. Occasionally scraps are rediscovered and they spawn attempts to retell the potential story through animation or audiobooks. However, to show Brian Boland's art, Rebellion simply needs good quality copies of the art. Well now, since I mentioned Asmodee buying Plan B games, let's do that next. I think the two most well-known games from Plan B's catalogue are Azul and Century Spice Road. Perhaps we can put Great Western Trail in there in third place. Asmodee is prone to buying any board game company that's not tied down. They are growing with private equity money, but I can't really tell you if it's working or not. I certainly know of situations where holding companies need to make another acquisition to boost their numbers and hit those financial targets to keep going. I guess it's a bit of a trap. What happens when those possibilities simply dry up? The Plan B game story is fascinating. Plan B was founded by Sophie Gravel. She's already sold companies to Asmodee. She sold them F2Z Entertainment, which included companies like Z-Men Games and Played Hat Games, although the latter is now independent. Gravel kept one company back, though, Pretzel Games. And in just a few years, Pretzel Games spawned Plan B Games, and there are other companies like Next Move Games and Eggerspiel in the studio with them. So... Asmodee did not buy all of Sophie Gravel's games. They let her take a seed with her, and in just a few years, that seed has grown into something significant enough that it makes financial sense for Asmodee to splash the cash again. You will not be surprised to know that it looks as if the terms to this deal are different. Sophie isn't getting to walk away from the deal with the money and another games company seed. This time, it looks like she will have to stay with Asmodee for a bit and work with them. I imagine Asmodee has Hasbro firmly in their sights, but it looks like there's a long way to go. Hasbro has a market cap of around $13 billion. Mattel is half its size at about $7.3 billion. And we can't do the same comparison for Asmodee as they are owned by PAI Partners. And PAI paid about $1.2 billion from Asmodee. But I doubt comparing private purchase price with market cap is wise. Now, we do have a Hasbro story this week via their cash cow, Wizards of the Coast. There's a new playtest for D&D out, and it's the folk of the Feywild. So if you fancy playing a fairy, a hobgoblin, owl folk or rabbit folk, then speak to your GM about using the prototype material now officially released. I don't think Wizards of the Coast are directly involved in this next story, but must surely have some indirect contact. There is a new online convention all about Dungeons & Dragons coming. It's called Dungeon Con Online. Goodman Games which have really gone for virtual conventions in a big way, are one of two companies running it. The other is the Dungeon Masters Guild. And that website is a partnership between Wizards of the Coast and One Bookshelf. I think there are two things worth calling out about Dungeon Con Online. Firstly, it promises a new technology to enable visitor-to-vendor interaction. As a vendor, you can buy a virtual booth space for 20 bucks. 
And I think the idea is that DMs Guild creators can rock up at those prices and talk about the DED adventures and supplements they have on sale. The second thing is the date, May 28th to May 31st. Now, do you remember what other online convention runs from May 28th to May 31st? It's PazioCon Online. This might not be such a dramatic head-to-head of Pathfinder versus D&D, as it sounds, because with online conventions, you can go to both. Nevertheless, ouch on those dates. As usual, you can go to the Geek Native convention calendar to see what events are coming up and what might be clashing. And Pasio isn't being idle on things digital, I should say. This week, at the Gen Kong Spring Showcase, which was an online event, the publisher announced Sundered Waves, the first of a new one-shot product line from them. Sundered Waves is a pirate pathfinder adventure designed, you guessed it, to fill an evening of online tabletop play. And let's just chat about new RPGs, as there have been quite a bit on the blog this week. Evil Hat announced two new ones, both powered by the Apocalypse, and the first is Project Perseus. Project Perseus is a super spies versus supernatural thriller set in the 80s and early 90s, and we're told it's going to be all about hard choices. Most of the players in the game will be agents, but one will be the operator who assigns them the missions and who then directs them. It's an asymmetric approach to RPGs. The other new game is Apocalypse Keys, and is about monsters trying to stop the end of the world. You know, think Hellboy. These monsters will be friends with others and have contacts in the secret supernatural slice of life that they belong to. Calling in favours or talking to people is essential when it comes to stopping the apocalypse. You can't do it alone. In fact, these relationships are the central theme of the game. And Modifius opened the doors on Actun Cthulhu 2D20 this week. I spoke to local writer Bill Heron, who was a designer on the product. Bill reminded me that it's always about the Nazis co-opting the dark Cthulhu powers for their evil ends. It's never the other way around. And I thought that was a crucial point. It stops the game from becoming an excuse for the Nazis' behaviour. And from the file labelled new to me is the steampunk RPG Volcania, which I reviewed this week. And I really enjoyed it. It's set in a world that's mainly water, but has about half a dozen islands. And each island has its own theme and nation. So there's an Asian-influenced island, and a Viking one, and a Western cowboy one, and so forth. I know portraying cultures is tricky and a hot topic, but at least Volcania does this to many and equally. Uh, although it's a steampunk game, it gave me lots of anime vibes through the art, the equipment, and the cinematic action it's geared up to manage. I also want to call out this week's genre police. Ben's article is called Risk Assessment, and it's all about how to handle a problem player. It also talks about what to do if you might be the problem player, specifically if you're the GM and you've made a mistake. Ben is a professional GM and so his experience on this is hugely valuable. And lastly, I want to share that there's a new competition running for listeners in the UK. It's a chance to win Handiwork Games' Bang & Twang. To enter, all you need to do is use the competition widget to tell me which musical instrument 
is most appropriate to a fantasy setting. And on that note, let's wrap there. So please keep safe, stay out of melee range, and we'll speak next week. <laughs>